hungover today. This is like your thing now. You you podcast hungover. You're like the bad uh, boy of podcasting. I know. It, it's so bad as well because I'm not, it, it's it's the fringe, man. I'm not normally a drinker, really. And then mm. and then you just you just have to do so much of it at the fringe. I um part of the reason why I got so drunk last night is that um it was in two separate kind of salvos of getting drunk, which mm-hmm. which cumulatively I didn't have that many drinks in either one, but if you take the two together, um so I Nate I went Nate and I went out for a couple of drinks at the Pleasant's Courtyard, and um we ended up because there's there's never enough seats. We ended up sat on like they have these like picnic benches, and so we sat on a picnic bench which some like kind of like retired scottish couple were also sat on and then after like a few minutes of this they sort of engaged us in conversation and and like it turned out that one of them um is a retired labor mp mm-hmm. um and his wife who's who was also involved in politics in some way anyway for whatever reason they can't get enough of me and Nate they're like fascinated by w- what's going on here um and so the guy keeps just like buying us like more and more pints <laughs> so i had like four pints there um, mm. and then had to go and do a show while a bit like half cooked um and uh then got out of the show and then went and had like another four pints with the comedians from the show good grief uh, kind of having sort of forgotten that i'd had four pints earlier because mm. i'd sort of had a bit of an interstitial and i, d- I didn't feel like tipsy anymore mm. but then and so therefore i didn't get that drunk but what i had was i didn't have cumulative drunkenness but i've got cumulative hangover i see <clears throat> Yeah, so I was like tipsy both times. Whereas if I'd have drunk eight pints in a row, I would have been absolutely fucked. Yeah. Um, but then this morning, I definitely have like maybe not an eight pint hangover, but like a solid six pint hangover. Oh, nasty! Have you got the have you got yeah. the kind of the the weird back? Weird back. Yeah, you know when your back when the like the skin on your back feels weird. This is. <laughs> It, why does it? Why do you right now sound like an alien who's pretending to have had a hangover? <laughs> oh yeah, you know it makes the skin on your back feel weird. This this is a th- this is a this is something that other people have reported. It's not just me. Right, I haven't okay. I haven't made up a hangover symptom. Yeah, I, you know what is it is an absolute game changer with a hangover. Mm. It is if you if you remember to do so drinking before bed. Not water, but like a sports isotonic drink, like a Gatorade or a LucasAid Sport or something. Yeah. However, I I often remember to do this, but I simply do not have one in the house because I'm not a child. I don't keep such things in the house. Um, and then of course you're not gonna go out and buy one at three o'clock in the morning. So um, I'm usually like, ah, oh, yeah, I could I could do a really smart thing now, but I can't. Do you think that keeping isotonic sports drinks in the house is the sign of a child? Do you think it's a kind of babyish activity? I just think if you're like drinking like sugary drinks on a daily basis, like come on, come on, mate. You drink you drink Coke on a daily basis. Well, Coke Zero. Well, to be honest, even that I don't drink that much. But um, I mostly drink Coke Zero for its caffeine properties. Sure. <laughs> I get to that point in like the middle afternoon. I'm like, I don't really want to have another coffee because I will shit myself to death. However, mm. however, if I have a Coke Zero. Well, you know, I don't believe in Coke Zeros. <laughs> You're a truther. I, uh, I'm a truther. It's not a have, real drink. Have a diet Coke and grow up. Like if, like, what you have to have your special kind of masculinized diet Coke. Pathetic. I do, I just do think they taste different. I don't know. They're both disgusting. That's the that's the rule. Yeah. Well, neither of them are as good as regular Coke. But then again, um, regular Coke. Uh, 
has its drawbacks. Um, yeah, but it's also one of the most delicious drinks known to man. That is, that is true. I always assumed that I would grow out of of my fondness for for the big red, but I have not. The big red. The big red. That's the real big red. Yeah. Mm, that is the real big red. Well, um, hello and welcome to Masters of Our Domain, a podcast which is allegedly about the hit '90s sitcom Seinfeld, but it's now a Coke Zero Truther podcast. <laughs> um, I'm I'm Harlow Edwards, someone who's never seen Seinfeld but does drink Coke Zero, and I'm joined as ever by uh, my co-host and uh, <laughs> Coke Zero investigator, Phoebe Roy. Hello. That is all she ever says. <clears throat> uh, this week we are talking about season six, episode three, the Pledge Drive. Um, all is, about pledges. This isn't. This is an interesting radio voice you're doing now do you turn into a radio presenter when you're hungover uh maybe yeah i said turn into mike graham on lbc you sound like you're about to start announcing the chart anyway these prisons they have now are like holiday camps (laughs) (laughs) announcing the chart yeah Yeah. um don't even know what's in the chart these days is 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 this this sounds very stupid is this is there still a chart is this something that Oh yeah, no, it, it exists. Yeah, they they still do a chart show on Radio One every Friday. Do they? Who presents the chart show these days? I don't know. Well, I think it was um fucking Scott Mills until recently, but I think that um he's leaving, isn't he? So yeah, but it was Scott Mills when I was a when I was a kid. Like he must have been doing it for about five thousand years. Yeah, just <laughs> mark that on your Phoebe's age bingo cards. <laughs> yeah, well, we can't do that anymore because fucking mm. Taco outed me. Doxed, yeah. by, doxed by the taco. Yeah, by the, by the Australian Intelligence Service. Or lack of intelligence services. Um, yeah, I, I, well, I can't remember the riff we did before about the Australian Intelligence Service, but I remember it being fun. Well, I, I asked Sam if there was such a thing, and he actually got <laughs> really offended. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was quite funny. <laughs> Uh, this is the question. Are the Australian Secret Service in on the fact that Australia was invented by the CIA? Or are they set up as a kind of puppet organisation? No, I think that, yeah, the Australian Secret Service are in a kind of, um, or intelligence service, they're in a kind of a Shutter Island type situation where they uh-huh. don't know they were invented by the CIA. And they earnestly believe that they're a partner organisation of the CIA. Well, it's, more like, it's more like the mm. Truman Show. Mm. And then... And then, like the head of Australian Secret Service is mm. going to find out, going to find out what's happening, and is going to try to free himself from the CIA. Well, Australia is sort of like the Truman Show, except that it, unlike the Truman Show, it's not it's not hermetically sealed from the outside world. Like it's a fake thing that's been created within the real world. Mm. Um, and so, Australians, you know, they can go to other countries. They can, you know, they can live entire lives without realizing that they're fake. <laughs> they're created. Yeah, but it's just the country that it's just the country that's that's artificial. It's not the people. So where right? do they get the Australians <laughs> from? Right. <laughs> Shall we get into a uh, into a thing about how, like, well, if you think about it, the concept of statehood is an artificial one. So mm. yeah, you could do that. So, I mean, you know what? On a less hungover day, I'm sure we could have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, probably could. All right. Well, let, yeah, if you're put... listening at home and you wonder, you know, what would the riff about you know statehood <laughs> be like? I think just. Just sort of map that out for yourself. Just have a think um, and enjoy what we might have said about it. Just just stick the podcast on pause. Just have a think. If you've got your um, brand, if you've got your branded mood notebooks at the ready, yeah, um, turn over from the Phoebe's age 
page. Uh, we will we'll give you I don't know like five minutes just to come up with the best the best observations you have about the uh, concept of statehood. Hmm. Yeah, actually, don't pause the podcast. We're just going to insert five minutes of something. <laughs> just five minutes of dead air. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, five minutes of no and. Five minutes of like countdown clock sound effects. Yeah. Okay. We could do that. Can we do that? Um, don't do that. Yeah. The actual countdown music where it just crescendos every 30 seconds because that was how long you got on countdown, but just with like, there's 10 of them in a row. Why don't they just use a clock that takes 30 seconds to get all the way around? Yeah, it's curious that, isn't it? Yeah, I, I guess they it. think that the clock format it's too it's too well established. You know, you can't be you can't be changing the scale on a clock. But then phase. why not just slow down the counter so it so it takes thirty seconds to go all the way round rather than only ever using one half of the clock? Who are they? What are they signalling? Who are they signalling to mm. with their one half of the clock? A half clock. It's some it's some mason shit. I think it's some mason shit. That's what I think. Mm. Uh, these half clock individuals, the um. You're more useless than the left-hand side of the countdown clock. That's quite. That's not. That's not bad. I'm that's... getting less action than the number nine on the countdown clock. Yeah, that less good. Less good. The first one was good. You should have stuck. You should have stuck with that. Mm. Should have stuck with that. Yeah. Uh, that's quite kind of a BBC Two tea time, tea time family sitcom. Yeah, there you go. And they have like twelve people writing on those, so you know that's they do. That's twelve of a. Uh, it really goes to show <laughs> that the more Britain's cooks finest. you add doesn't necessarily have a positive effect on the broth. Oh no, I think the opposite. I think that once you've once you've started a broth project, then you need just the maximum number of chefs on it at all time because it can mm. only improve matters. Because if one chef is good at the broth, then by the sure. by the law of extrapolation, um, ten chefs will be ten times as good on the broth. Yeah, that is true. Actually, you've won me over. Right, I, think, I mean, it's just yeah. basic, just basic maths, Milo. Yeah, more chefs, better broth. Does this episode start with a bit? It does. Yes. <laughs> um, but, uh, Jeff, Jerry's going in on the concept of chefs and how many of them it takes to make the best broth. No, um, it is Jerry's going in on, and I actually this is a, this is a Seinfeld bit that I agreed with. He's going in on the concept of greetings cards. He's like, why, why do you buy greetings cards with like messages in them? that you didn't write, and then you just sign them. He's like, it's sort of deeply insincere mm-hmm. enterprise. And I agree with this. I always buy blank greetings cards. I fucking hate the shit that's written inside greetings cards. Mm-hmm. And I'm always like, because I remember <clears throat> back in the day, if I was ever like sending a card to my nan, my mum would be like, oh yeah, like buy one of the cards with like a poem in it or whatever, because she likes that. And I'm like, but it's, but it's like a shit poem <laughs> that's written by someone at a greetings card company. It's not like I wrote the poem. I can see why she might like that in a sort of grandmotherly kind of way. Mm. Like this is, this is. I've just signed a shite poem. Like that's all that's happened. <laughs> I was a very annoying nine-year-old. Well, if you're signing a shite somebody else's somebody else's bad poem, then you're also plagiarizing from an artist, and that's not really acceptable, mm-hmm. even if the art is bad. Yeah, you're endorsing yeah. the poem. <laughs> Dictated but not read. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like it's not a bad observation. Like some of the things he says in the course of this observation is a bit are a bit weird. He calls greeting cards little paper prostitutes, mm. which which sounds again, like a Radiohead song. <laughs> which again, I think it's time to uh, run up the 
Jerry doesn't understand other people's jobs, Bell. Because mm. if we're okay, like all right, let's. Where's well, this bell at the top of a flagpole or something? I'm just trying to understand this contraption. No, I have a mallet, and then right, I. Right. Okay. Oh, I see. It's like one of those test your strength things at the fairground. Yeah. Right. And okay, so fine. when Jerry doesn't understand someone else's job, I test my strength, and it goes ding, 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 ding. Um, mm. What he's saying is that this is something that you buy in buy in place of expressing the sentiment yourself right mm-hmm. so sure. actually it's less a paper it's less a paper prostitute and more a paper um outsourced worker probably in the global south mm. sure like it's more of a supply chain issue because mm. if the if the greetings card is the is the paper sex worker then surely you're expecting to get something out of the sex worker paper edition in exchange for the money that you ha- in exchange for the money that you have paid mm. if if all that it's doing is expressing an insincere sentiment to somebody else then it's it's basically it's like it's like saying like it's like saying like people hire sex workers in order to avoid shagging their partners mm. which i don't think is i don't think that's like an yeah. observable social phenomenon yeah it might be true in some cases <laughs> I'm now imagining like a sort of sweatshop in the Philippines where a bunch of people on below minimum wage are being made to write grandma poems in English. Um, you need oh, to come on. Nice. We need to chew, churn out some words about daffodils in the garden in the next fifteen minutes. That's a little dark, isn't it? Although, have you have you ever seen that absolutely fucking wonderful big train sketch? Uh, I, you you like might not have done. You broth. might be too young. No, 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 no. It's um. With the uh, with the lo- with the local radio announcer who has this um, who has this cellar full of chained up children who write puns for him, um, <laughs> and he d- and it's and it and it and it shows and it shows him sort of doing that. And you know, next we have the we have the weather, and uh, looks like uh, looks like uh, George Clooney is in uh, is uh, in talks to be the next. Batman, um, and then he st- and then he realizes that he doesn't have any Batman puns, um, and so he goes to adverts, mm. and then he goes down to the cellar with this baseball bat and starts yelling at these children in the cellar about like, <laughs> "I get you're making me like an idiot on my program," and it's uh, yeah, it's really good. Um, oh yeah, that, that the, is the, a good sketch. Yeah. The absolute the best sketches are ones which are described um, half from memory on a. <laughs> On an entirely non-visual medium, those are my favourite you know kinds of sketches. It's a good sketch when it, when it carries over despite that, and yeah, I think that yeah. did, that's a strong concept. I can listen to that concept and be like, "Yeah, that's funny." You should you should see not the second series, but you should see the first series of Big Train. It's like I've it's, seen bits of Big Train. It's good. It, it's so good. It's so so mm. good. It's a uh, it's a shame that um, I am a big fan of the of the cooks and broth sketch. Oh, what the um. The one where they're trying to avoid using cliches. Yeah. About how they're selling like yeah. That's I think that's from the second mm. series, actually. It's a shame that um mm. it's a shame that we'll never know the identity of the uh, of the writer. Uh I mean allegedly. Like allegedly it was written by like some Irish guy, but I uh, it's apocryphal. I've I don't know oh, who that okay. is. Yeah, we don't we don't know anything about him. Don't know anything about him. It's it's like it's almost like a kind of uh like a kind of collaborative hive mind thing. It's like a like sure. like like the Bible, I, you know, it's not like just one guy that sat down and wrote it, but, you know, I don't mean the Bible. 
Um, but the Bible's mm. not a good example. Anyway, yeah, the anyway, Bible anyway. It was famously written by Dan Brown. Yeah. There was a sort of an oral tradition of those stories before then, but it was it was Dan Brown in the sort of mid-90s who finally sat down and wrote them all out. And that mm. means he now owns the IP, which is why he's so rich. Who, Dan Brown? Yeah. Every time, every time you go to church, Dan Brown's actually skimming off the top of that because <laughs> they're using the, the Dan Brown Bible. <laughs> he wrote it under his pen name, King James. Yep. 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 <laughs> okay. Yeah. Great. Um, okay, so you this know is my what? Favorite... I, think, I think you're doing famously. I think you're doing really, really yeah. well. <laughs> my favorite part of this bit um, is that Jerry says that uh, greetings cards are so insincere, they should do one for all occasions. Where you like, yeah, it's a card that says, um, uh, Congratulations on your new job, uh, baby, and birthday, as, uh, and also all of our sympathies signed everyone at the office. Mm. Um, and I think that is, that is quite a good send up of greetings card culture it's it's a weird I d- i'm not going to pretend to completely not understand it but greetings cards are like a they're a weird facet of like human civilization see i think that this whole greeting card storyline which we will obviously get into because it's like it's part of the plot is a really really good example of like jerry technically being right but insisting on his rightness over it makes him a sociopath in that way, it's quite a Curb Your Enthusiasm style storyline. Mm, yeah, uh, kind of. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, we we cut to uh, Jerry and Elaine are discussing Elaine's friend Noreen, who Jerry bumped into, and Jerry reckons that Noreen was hitting on him. Um, and uh, Elaine doesn't believe this, and then Jerry's like, why would I pretend Noreen was hitting on me? Wouldn't I pretend it was a much less annoying friend of yours? <laughs> um, which I thought was funny. Yeah. Um, and then Kramer comes in, they're discussing how Jerry's doing this pledge drive for PBS um, and Kramer's going to be like on the phones as part of it. Jerry never learns about involving Kramer in like, <laughs> important work things, does he? No, I think, no, he doesn't. But it's also like, it's also sweet. Like he kind of, he goes in with a sort of eternal sunshine sense mm. of renewed kind of hope and optimism that maybe this time... Kramer is not gonna <laughs> is not gonna destroy it. I think the idea that Kramer has always wanted to be one of the people on the phones mm. very much chimes with his characterization. Yeah, it's deep it's deep Kramer energy. Yeah, that's that, yeah, can, that yeah. deep deep Kramer law, I think. Yeah. And he and he's and he's insistent that he wants he wants one of the free tote bags. Yeah, he's under the impression that he's gonna get commission from the <laughs> yeah. telethon thing. And then yeah. Jerry has to put him straight on that. Um, and so then uh, Elaine decides she's going to call Noreen and get to the bottom of this, which is slightly mad to do from Jerry's apartment. But, um, Why specifically? Why? I don't know. It just seems like an oddly, like, you, it seems more like the thing where you're like, oh, the next time I see her, I'll ask her or whatever. But to then be like, right, I'm calling her is like quite. Um, I don't know. I think that's, a, I think that's just somebody, I think that's just somebody who just enjoys the discomfort of others. <laughs> I think she. I think what she wants. She because I don't think she is interested in whether or not Noreen actually is flirting with him. What she wants to know, or rather, what she wants from from this whole exchange is she wants Jerry to feel like a dickhead, and she wants to watch him feeling like a dickhead. Mm. Fruit flies, man. She wants to get sick sexual enjoyment from Jerry feeling like a dickhead. Yeah, she does. She wants to watch him feeling like a dickhead, and then she wants to kind of tear open. Like a mm. like a like a massive strawberry refresher, and just start like properly just chomping it between her back gnashes yeah. 
while she kind of yeah. gives him a sort of shit eating grin while she's chomping on this sort of sort of giant squashy sweet. This is a very sweet. sexy Elaine episode, actually. I have to say, she's she's throwing out a lot of vibes in this mm. one. Um, so yeah, she calls Noreen. And, How's her hair looking in this one? Uh, it's good. Yeah. It's good. And then she's speaking to what she thinks is Noreen because someone with a woman's voice answers the phone and she starts explaining that uh, apparently she was flirting with Jerry. And then um, and then it turns out that um, it's Noreen's boyfriend who just has a woman's voice. Has yeah? Has she said at this point, oh, yeah, she's like, she's definitely not flirting with you because she's going out with, you know, that Dan who's the high talker. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, did, did they say that he's a high talker? Before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Um, and then um, And then obviously Dan is... Upset by then, um, and then we cut to Elaine's at work with um Mister Mister what's Mister Pitt, mm-hmm. and she gets a uh, she gets a phone call from Noreen who's like, well, what the fuck did you do that for? Why did you tell? And then she's like, wait, is this definitely Noreen? <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so she's she's mad. Uh, Mister Pitt meanwhile is eating a Snickers bar with a f- knife and fork, mm-hmm. which I love. Mm-hmm. This is uh, this to me is the, the best plot element of this episode. <laughs> It's just so completely mad. Um, yeah. <clears throat> um, and then Jerry is with the PBS woman who's organizing the pledge drive. And then and then we get the reveal of sort of why Jerry is doing the pledge drive. He's doing the pledge drive because the woman organizing it is really hot. Mm-hmm. And my God, is she? Yeah. My God, would I have sex with this woman? Well, I'm sure she would find that a great comfort in her presumably now advanced years. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she's got to be in her 50s at this point, I would yeah. imagine. Um, well, but you know what? You know what? Kind. Still still, still would. I bet I bet she still looks good. If she looked that good, um, you know, 25 years ago, I reckon. Milo is, still... a, ge- is a generous man and an intellectual. That's right. Look, I, uh, you know, I, I there swear are to, older I, ladies out there. I swear to God, if I see one more fruit fly in here, I'm going to fucking freak out. Mm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set up another trap when, when we're done here. You're gonna to have to um, move all your fruit. We don't have any fruit in the house. This is what's so. This is what's so troubling. Mm. What? They're not just fruit flies. They're stupid fruit flies. <laughs> I don't yeah, know there's no fruit. They're fruit flies who are shit out of luck. Is what they are. I'm gonna set up one of those vinegar traps. That'll learn them. Vinegar traps. Yeah, it's how you get rid of fruit flies. You set up a little dish of white vinegar. Sounds like a drag queen name. What fruit fly vinegar trap? No, well, I was thinking vinegar traps more. But. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I'll allow that. I'll allow that. Fine. Um, yeah. So, um, and then and then the woman from the pledge drive discovers that Jerry has thrown away her greetings card, which she sent him to thank him for doing the pledge drive, which she's just, she's just only written her name in. She's not written anything else. Um, and then Jerry gets into a sort of debate with her where he's like, well, he's like, you know, this is just, you've just written your name in a card that you'd be like, why would I keep this? And then she's like, you're so unsentimental. And he's like, no, look, I've kept all these birthday cards from my grandmother. And then she's like, oh, so you'll keep her cards. And then she like storms off. That, sorry, that is a really, really weird thing to say that somebody has like, like to object to somebody having greater sentimental attachment to their own grandmother than they do for a woman <laughs> who they've met as far as we can, far as we can tell in the previous week like they are supposed to be dating like this is what i think you've misunderstood like he met oh, her okay. while He's not doing... just trying to seduce her no 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 he met her while doing some stuff for pbs and she has asked him to participate in the in the pledge drive as a celebrity um 
So like they are mm. sort of date. That's why she's like, that's why she's upset that he threw away the greeting card. And like, yeah. okay, this is I one wouldn't of those. I throw away this woman's card. I'd be honored. Oh, well, that's, that's, that's very <laughs> nice. Um, Despite my distaste for greetings cards. She, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll make an exception for you, Kristen. Um, mm. She, she's still, she's still looking, she's still looking pretty good. She's had, mm, she's had some. What's the name of the actress? Rebecca Staub. 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 Um, Is that with an A R B or how are we doing? A A B. Oh. Rebecca Staub. <laughs> Rebecca Staub. Um, she's yeah. had some slightly troubling. Um, she's had some slightly troubling surgery, so she's look. So she looks a little bit like you know when someone's had like loads of work done and they still look like sort of themselves, but like a kind of weird crumbling kind of clay facsimile of themselves mm. like um like what's her face that's helpful isn't it ah oh. yeah patsy kens it <laughs> i mean a bit a, a bit <laughs> patsy kens it but i'm thinking of someone else i've told you the patsy kens it story right? yeah, yeah yeah i know you have yeah. in fact oh I'm fuck not- i've just seen i'm looking at google images of um rebecca starb <laughs> and having you know Rebecca, stab, stab, and ha- stab, and we having a great time. do it because time. it's stab. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very good, very good. You know and, what? Um, you know something really funny. I was listening because I've been li- I've been listening to the uh, to the blowback series about Cuba, um, which is fascinating, <laughs> and it also means that I am that I'm in one of my like kind of maddening phases where like all I'll talk about is like one particular thing, and like poor old George is like is is having to deal with me like telling him little facts about Castro. He does not, he's not, he's not enjoying that. Not one little bit. Um, but there's, so there's obviously as a result, there's lots of like sound clips of, of JFK on, on this series. And it's so funny how much he sounds like the joke voice of him. It's just really, really what he sounds like. It's so funny that he was like deemed to be this, just like, you know, pretty much like the first serious president they'd had in a while when he had this absolutely fucking ridiculous voice and he sounds so stupid. Like he, he genuinely doesn't uh, uh, talk like that. And it's just so funny. It's it's really good. Catherine O'Hara. That's who I was thinking of. Um, I don't think I know Catherine O'Hara. Um, you'd probably recognize her if you saw her, but she's got the right, crumbly. Okay. She's got the crumbly clay face like Rebecca Stab. Rebecca Stab. So anyway, the point yeah, I was look- making it. Oh, okay, she's not as hot as Rebecca Stab. Who, Catherine O'Hara? Oh, O'Hara. she's the one from. She's the mum in um, Home Alone. Yeah, and she's in Beetlejuice as well. Yeah, no, she's not. I mean, obviously, like in her in her heyday, she was quite pretty. Although I think still not as pretty as Rebecca Stab, but she's definitely not aged as well. Oh no, 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 no! no. It's uh, like it's 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 not a, it's not a kind of direct comparison. It's more that it's a similar type of having had lots of work done. Oh no, I I, und- I understood what you were saying. I was I was just merely remarking upon it. That was um. um so anyway. this is this is now the Rebecca Starb fan podcast. This is the Rebecca Starb fan. But anyway, what I was trying to say was that yeah. looking at Google image results of Rebecca Starb, Stab. there is um one from the Hallmark Movies and Mysteries Facebook page, which is captioned "Let's wish Rebecca Starb from Chronicle Mysteries a very happy birthday," and they've sort of photoshopped a picture of her in a kind of like Hallmark greetings card frame that says happy birthday. And so this is, we, I have actually accidentally stumbled upon a Rebecca Starb greeting card. That, how odd. Do you think that yeah. that was like kind of a sort of deliberate deep cut, like Rebecca Starb lore? Yeah, I don't know, maybe. 
So, like, everyone associates her with greeting cards now. That can't be right. There's also one from the Seinfeld Facebook page where it's Woman Crush Wednesday and a picture of her from that episode. God, she does look good in that episode. Yeah, yeah, she's really, she's really, she's a, she's a, she's a real cutie. Yeah. Real cutie patootie. Yeah, she's doing, she's doing things to me as old Rebecca Staub. Okay, well, (laughs) let's, (laughs) let's, let's leave that uh, where, like it's one thing for to make me listen to it, but don't make the listeners listen to it, Jesus. <laughs> something about something about getting star. Ugh. Anyway, um, do not do these things because they're easy. Um, they, yeah, the um, the, this whole this whole exchange, like both of them are are behaving to my mind in a uh, in a way which does not rec- does not recognize social convention because mm. um, if you've got someone something and you can't see it. You can't see them having displayed it somewhere. You don't ask where it is. It's not, that's not no. done. That's, that is, that is unchic. Like if you buy someone a piece of clothing and you don't see them wearing it, you don't ask them why they're wearing it. You don't, and you, if you, you, you just don't do it. You do not inquire after the whereabouts of gifts. It's just, it's just no. not done. Once you've given someone a gift, that's it. It's out of it's out of your hands. It's none of your business what happens to it. But also, if you're dating someone and they give you a card, you don't immediately chuck it in the waste paper basket. That's insane. That's insane behavior. Yeah, that is insane behavior. Although so, it, it also makes me think a little bit of my of my mother because my my mother. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but she is an absolute insane. She's Rebecca Starb. She's Rebecca Starb, and so that's why I'm getting a little bit weirded out by you right now. Yeah. Um, Look, Phoebe, your mum's hot. This is, <laughs> we've just got it. We've just got to get down to brass tacks here. Um, what was I going to say before you interrupted me to say something weird about your mum? Greetings cards. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, no, not just greeting cards, just anything. My mother is an absolute inveterate throw thrower awayer. Like it's, right, it's her. Okay. It's her. Like it is her. It's like her favorite thing to do. Like I have been in a car with her when she has stopped the car on a red route. In order to leap out of the car, because she has spotted a waste bin uh, that she can like <laughs> throw packaging into. Like the last time she did this, we'd been um, we'd been to like a That's big chaotic. We'd been to like a big boots, and um, and I was boots. and I was driving on the rare occasions she let me drive her somewhere. We went on um, a trip to Nottingham to go to the big boots, and she, unbeknownst to me, because I'm driving, um, she is like unpacking and and kind of discarding packaging in this big boots bag like taking out like because also my parents buy things in like large-ish numbers because once they decide they like a product that's it that's the product they like and if it discontinues then there is hell to pay and it's all you hear about so she had these like six (laughs) she had like these like six packages of pearl drops toothpaste because they love pearl drops toothpaste and she is like busily like taking each of them out of their little cardboard boxes. Right. Um, and then she's like got these packaging and then she just like says like, okay, stop the car. And I was like, I can't stop the car. Um, and she said, no, 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 no. I just need to stop the car. Just like really, really quickly. So I, so I pull over. She leaps out because she spotted a bin. She loves spotting a bin. Ha, mm. Absolute favorite. And, she's, bin <laughs> and she starts like throwing In away enthusiast. this throwing away this packaging. And once we, once we get back to the house, um, she kind of gets, she kind of gathers up her pearl drops toothpaste and sort of puts them in a little kind of, in a little <laughs> sort of regimented 
line in the cupboard. And I said, you know, if you'd kept the boxes on, they would be easier to stack. Um, and she told yeah, me why, to, and she told me she to mind my own the business. Boxes in the car? Because she loves discarding packaging. She loves, th- like I said, she loves throwing stuff away. Another thing that she loves doing, they don't get the, they don't get Okay, so I assumed when you said that you're, because my dad was a bit like this in some ways. When you mm. said your mum was an inveterate thrower away, I was imagining she's in a hurry to throw away anything which which is in a state of needing to be thrown away, right? Mm. So like, if there was any like recycling or whatever, like my dad would take it out to the bin like outside, like immediately. Oh yeah, 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 no, no, he wouldn't, she does like, that. Wait for enough to build up to make oh, it no, worth no, no, the trip. No, 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 like, no, no, yeah. no, 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 she, no, no. She does that as well. Like, but, don't get but me I wrong. I see that your your mum is taking this a step further. She's taking she it a step further. She actively seeks yeah. out waste. In yeah. order to have the pleasure, of throwing, have the pleasure of throwing it away. Her <laughs> her favorite part, her favorite part of any of any present this is giving. Sick. I love it. Her favorite part of any present giving event is throwing away the mm. wrapping paper. Um, like everyone else right, enjoys okay. their presents, but like for for my mum, the oh, real your, mu- pres- your mum's got dad coded behavior. <laughs> She's going around on Christmas morning with the with the fucking bin bag. Yes, incredible. <laughs> she won't keep any kind of newsprint in the house because she is phobic about the smell of newsprint after like a day mm. um which included a I don't think it smells anymore it probably did once but it doesn't smell of anything it doesn't smell of anything um which included her disposing of um an announcement that I had won a short story award in the bookseller and she threw it away <laughs> Classic Phoebe winning an award again. Who cares? The bin with the pearl drops toothpaste boxes. Um, and she said, "Mother well, making said you stop she, the car she, on a red route so she can she, throw away your degree certificate." Yeah, she said you've got a copy of it, um, which is true. I did have a copy of it, but I thought she might want to keep a copy as well. But apparently not. Like, I, I literally gave them a copy of it because I thought they'd like it. But I was, I was, I was bang wrong. I was bang wrong on that one. Um, they don't get they don't get the paper anymore. But what they use, what mm-hmm. have absolute favorite bit of you know, some people like getting the Saturday paper and then they kind of read it together in companionable silence with their coffee. My mum liked doing that, but not as much as she liked the bit when she could gut the paper of the bits that she didn't want to read <laughs> and throw them away. Fantastic. Yeah, and, it's, that, and that's it, a very like baller move, like just removing a whole section from the newspaper and throwing it straight in the bin without even perusing. Oh it. yeah, yeah. No, and, right, and homes it, and property, fuck off. And it's in, it's inherited as well. It's an inherited genetic trait. Um, towards the end of my mm. gran- of my grandmother's life, when she was um, she was very ill, and she was um, yeah she was she was she, she was she was nearing she was nearing the end, and so she asked for my mum's help in um, she asked for my mum's help just like t- like tidying up the house, and so my mum said, "Do you still have my um, Bieber dolly rockers, and do you still have my old autograph book?" Um, and I don't know if you've ever seen a Bieber Dolly Rocker. Well, I know Bieber's a fashion brand, right? You, but I, well, a Dolly Rocker was a sort of 60s shape of dress, which was shaped like a kind of triangle, um, like often right, with okay. long sleeves. But it was like, the, it was a classic Okay, like, yeah, I, I can picture design. the thing, I remember. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And these things... Sort of, sort of thing Twiggy might have worn. Yeah, exactly. And my mum had a little collection of those. Yeah, your mum, Twiggy. My mum, Twiggy. Um, yeah. and the reverse hoarder, Phoebe's mum. That's right. And I... I cannot stress this enough. Um, mm. These things now, uh, like they now go for auction at Christie's. They're like a part of. Oh yeah, they I are a part of fashion history. 
Um, and my grandma was like, well, you left home. If you wanted to keep them, you should have, you should have taken them with you. Um, and that in also, and that also included this autograph book, which had, uh, I think it had Keith Moon. It had all of all four of the Beatles. Oh, amazing. <laughs> it had so much, had so many like kind of like big, big deal 60s people autographs in it. And my grandma was just like, no, I don't need that. Get rid of it. Um, so this is why, this is why I so refuse to throw yeah. anything away because, um, the, the one, the one niche handshake I'm between, um, your, your grandmother and a uh, French fashion houses, um, just, uh, just destroying records left, right and center. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I see. Yeah. Yeah. A bit, yeah. For very bit different cra- reasons. Cra- I mean, <laughs> one would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> That or that autograph book can, contains details of my mother's collaboration, my mother's surprise <laughs> collaboration. Um, I mean, to be fair, if you were getting the autographs of celebrities in the sixties and seventies, there there are probably going to be a few. Oh well, I mean, like the the Keith the Keith Moon autograph was um was like kind of scribbled on a on a napkin. I think she also had like uh, a whiskey bowl that that he'd that he'd like given her when she was about 16 so uh, mm. not ideal mm. not ideal wait so your mum had like multiple encounters with keith moon i don't like to ask questions it's none of my business we're getting such phoebe mum deep lore on this episode it's this none is incredible of my business um first yeah. of all she has a rare condition where she loves creating waste in order to dispose of it fantastic yep. fascinated by that loves second it, yep. of all possibly had an affair with keith moon like there's a lot going on the uh, this is one of the many reasons that i always hand make cards for my mother because i know mm. that's the only way i can prevent her from throwing them away Oh, if okay. I if I make her something, she won't throw it away. You can see her jonesing to throw it away, but <laughs> she, she knows she can't. She kind of wants to. She kind of wants to. Um, there's like it's not like it's like it's a small instinct, and it's one that mm. she very very bravely fights, and she has kept everything I've ever made. In mm. all fairness, um, but you can see like you can see her kind of fingers <laughs> itching like on oh, this piece of paper. I want to put it in the bin. I wanna. I wanna do it. I wanna do it. But yeah, like her 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 Christmas Day wrapping collection, wrapping paper collection oh, yeah, nice. is uh it's it's sort of the stuff of legend. Like people have barely finished saying saying, Oh, thank you, before she's like, she is she is on them. She's like grabbing wrapping paper, she's like she's bundling it up. When they used to have a fireplace, she used to burn the wrapping paper so that you could not even like not even like get even a little bit of it. Um, Amazing! Yeah, absolutely incredible. Yeah, burning the wrapping paper. Burning right. the wrapping paper. Imagine your mum. Your mum just everyone enjoying their Christmas. Your mum just in the middle of the room at the, the fireplace, covered in soot, <laughs> using a poker to cram the wrapping paper in there. I am not joking. I have seen her throw away greetings cards still in the envelope. She doesn't even do the cursory glance before throwing them away. <laughs> If she if she knows respect. who it if she knows who it's from, she just thinks, well, what am I going to see in the interior of this card that's going to enrich my life in any way? Get rid of it. <laughs> so she's not even doing what Jerry's doing, which is no, he is, which is he's saving it his grandmother's greeting cards away. because yeah. they have he saves his grandmother's greeting cards because they have checks in them. Yeah. Now this is this is quite an interestingly odd thing. So Kramer is like, you save these cards, and he's like, yeah, because they've got checks in them. 
And then Kramer's like, well, why haven't you cashed the checks? And he's like, because it's $10. It's like, well, then why keep them? If it's like, if it's so little that you can't be bothered to cash them, then... Yeah. And it also, I, I sort of, to an extent, I do kind of sympathize with Kramer's thing where like, especially with, with grandmas, we all know about grandma-coded behavior. Mm-hmm. If, you don't, if you don't cash the check, she's going to be a bit offended. Of course. Um, so I do sort of think, like, I, can, I get that Jerry doesn't need $10, but you would think he would cash the check as a sort of gesture of... Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, like my 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 godmother still sends me still sends me checks, and I always cash them because I assume that it's because she wants me to buy myself a little treat with them. Yeah, yeah, and also because you love a Domino's. I do love a Domino's. <laughs> I've not Domino's. had a Domino's yet. This fringe, I might have one today. Have one today. It's a, it's a hangover day. It could be a it's Domino's. A hangover day. day. I think it could be a Domino's day. Yeah. Although, although my you name know, is Domino Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> I have a weird back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I forgot to tell you this. I, I told, um, I told Dan Muggleton about uh, Australian flea bag with Phoebe Walla Walla Bridge the other night. He thought it was hilarious. <laughs> Look, you said it to he his face. It. What's he going to do? He's not going to present you with a kind of blank, stony expression like that's fucking awful. No, but he then brought it up subsequently, like on a separate day. He was then like, Australian flea bag. Um, that's a that's a good Muggleton impression, actually, because it's yeah. not just the accent. You've got his intonation. Yeah. You've got his intonation. Spot a, on. Yeah, he did it. He did a, a great Muggleton moment the other night where we were out with. I don't know. There were some like girls that he vaguely knew. They're like friends of his wife. His wife's not here, um, but they like live in Scotland. And then like one of them went like, um, "You sound like Borat," and he's like, "He's like, no, I look like Borat." <laughs> and then she's like, "Hey, I think you sound like Borat." He's like, "I don't sound like Borat." <laughs> He is kind of the Australian Seinfeld. <laughs> I've just got a moustache. <laughs> that's that's funny. Oh, yeah. good old Margo. Um, oh, he's so nice. Such, Love that such man. a lovely boy. Um, yeah, I forgot what I was saying. Oh, yeah, no, no, about Domino's. Um, so you know how, you know, the, you know the Domino's rule that one in yeah. every hundred, say, Domino's is like a bad Domino's? It's like uh, it's one where like they've overcooked the dough or it's like even greasier than usual or like there's something mm, a bit like exists in a delicate balance of grease. Yeah, the you don't want to yeah. And then like you or like you bite into the cheese and like the cheese doesn't taste like exactly today fresh, but not like rancid enough to stop you eating it. Mm. And then when you've had the bad Domino's, you're like, oh, OK, no, no more Domino's like ever again, because I feel really, really ill now. Mm. Um, I had I had the bad Domino's last week. Oh no, you don't want that. Yeah, or a bad Domino's. Yeah, and also the worst um, thing was was it's supposed to be a little treat because uh, it's oh, no. a little treat because George was uh, George was out and I was working late and I was like, I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get myself a little Domino's as a treat. Um, mm. And then I ate it and I ate it and you've seen me at Domino's. I ate it in like seven minutes flat or something. Yeah. Um, and then I felt really really ill and then I felt really ill the next day and. Oh, my, for more, my tummy hurt. For more deep lore, I think like the first few times we like hung out, just the two of us, we had dominoes pretty much every time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Bonding over dominoes, but those weren't bad dominoes. No. Both times, those they were, were good. good. They, they were good, good dominoes. Yeah, like this is the thing. It's like it's a it's very kind of Russian <laughs> roulette eating dominoes. Like it is a good dominoes. It's just a, a thing of a thing of fantastical beauty, but a bad dominoes pretty much the worst thing that's possible to eat mm, yeah. yeah 
Yeah, I was saying this on this um on this panel show I was on last night. Yeah, I was saying that to the lads down the pub. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. no, but about you know you know the people who say like oh you, sex is like pizza because when it's good it's really good but when it's but when it's bad it's still fine. And I was like, no, these people have never had sex or pizza. Like I'm a truther about like I've I've had terrible sex and terrible pizza. Like what are you on about? Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely had both things which I could have easily gone without. Some of the worst experiences of my life have been sex. <laughs> and I like sex. <laughs> but it's a high-risk endeavour. If you're uh, keeping track on your uh, Milo Edwards bingo card. <laughs> that is a good out-of-context quote. <laughs> oh, that, uh, Annabelle sent me a video of me doing a stand-up spot the other day where she'd just taken an out-of-context, like, 10-second clip, and it was just me saying, it's my opinion that someone should kill that man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah um so uh right kramer makes jerry promise to cash the checks um we then cut to the cafe jerry is asking george sorry kramer's right there yeah although i do agree that if you if you've if he's had these for years yeah then you like can't has, you then... can't you can't cash them out of nowhere no. um agr- like agreed but well, like, no, because it's also just weird. I mean, uh, there's a whole plot line that emerges, which is that, you know, she ends up going overdrawn in her account. But he's not, it's not that much money that he's cashing the check. So I feel as though that's a bit well, unrealistic. I mean, but you might think that's weird that $100 has disappeared from my account. Like, yeah, but if she spoke, like, if it's an account that she doesn't use, so she doesn't put any money in it, and there's only like, there's, so there's not that, so there's not that much in it. And then suddenly someone cashes, say she sends them $10 for birthday and Christmas. Yeah. Um. So that's like twenty dollars a year for ten years. So like two hundred dollars out of nowhere disappearing from an account that you don't use. Mm. And she wouldn't have known about it if it hadn't gone overdrawn. Yeah. Anyway, but 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 by the by, Kramer is is exhibiting unusual. Well, no, I say unusual sensitivity. Kramer is oddly the only one who has any sense of anybody else's like emotional landscape. Mm. Like he's he often gets it like very very badly and and destructively wrong, but he is the only one of them who who sort of thinks about it. Mm. Actually, no, oddly, Costanza thinks about it, but only in reference to himself. Right. Okay. Anyway, okay. Um. Yeah. So. Um. That. Yeah. Jerry and Georgia at the cafe. Jerry's like, how long? <clears throat> how long do you think you've got to keep a greetings card for when someone sends you it? Now, this is an interesting question. And then I love that George just immediately goes, minimum two days. <laughs> and then he's like, is this a thing or are you making it up? And he's like, making it up. <clears throat> Which is great. I think two days is not long enough. I, well, that's my... Well, because I because the necessity is obviously that I rebel against, against my family, I keep them forever. I never throw greeting cards away. <laughs> you've just got a big a big pit somewhere in your house that's just full of every greetings card you've ever received you can swim in them like scrooge mcduck it's not a pit you, <laughs> yeah. could, you could call it a plastic crate if if, plastic if you crate. if you had a mind to do so you could call it a plastic crate right okay that's a lot of greetings cards but i suppose one does receive a lot of greetings cards in one's life i have birthday cards from people who if i look in these cards i'm not a hundred percent sure i remember who they are sick and i've still got them i have a really random selection of greetings cards like in drawers and things around the place that i've not thrown away for like and some of them are like ones that are maybe like significant in some way but others are just like really random 
I think I've got a couple of like sympathy cards from like when my dad died that I, I don't even like the people who sent them to me. But for some reason, they just ended up in a pile of things that got kept. Yeah, I have like, I still have some like greeting cards from like kind of various exes, uh, mm. which, which I've, which I don't, which I think is like, dif- it's like, it's like difficult to understand because like you would think um, that I was like maybe keeping them for sentimental reasons. Because uh, when me and George were doing, when uh, me and George moved in together, we were doing some like enforced clearing out because I had to. It was it was mm. sort of getting to a getting to a sort of getting to a kind of situation level. Yeah, and like I came across this. You are like, your mum's Wario, sure. That's right. I came across this little um, her wooth. Um, <laughs> You're um, an oo woo version of your mum. That's right. I am indeed. Um, yeah. I came across this. Um, uh, I came across this like little kind of like cache of cards from like from one of my exes, and I was just like, oh shit, cards from insert name. Um, mm. And Keith and I said, Moon. Keith Moon, yeah, exactly. You know, he like you know, mother mm. and daughter situation. Um, oh god, that's <laughs> horrible. No, no, no. Uh, why did I say that? <laughs> the Woody Allen of the Who. Oh, stop that. Oh, gross. Um, and I said, oh, legally we do not. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, and I said to, I said to, I said to George, oh, well, I, I just, please just trust me on this. I don't keep them for sentimental reasons. And he just went, no, 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 I know. It's just you're insane. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, good. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm, glad. <laughs> I'm, glad you, I'm glad you recognize, recognize that. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, then uh, and then they're just kind of like uh, George says something about like how different his life would have been if his parents had had a mantelpiece <laughs> that you could keep greetings cards on. Um, and then um, it seems Jerry, unlikely that his parents don't have a mantelpiece. I suppose it yeah, depends on the maybe kind it's of just less they... common in America. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess because they because yeah. they don't have because they don't really have chimneys, do they? Mm, no. Yeah, Please, little... furious Americans, do not right in saying we do have chimneys actually and with them and what's more they're better chimneys than you and we have cheese that comes out of a pump so or you know whatever is all we're gonna yeah well because they mine it from the ground in um, wisconsin yeah so they need ri- the big pumps to extract it's like an oil derrick a rich vein of cheese so my my, my position mm. is that i um i deplore the pump cheese but i do mm. i do support the striking cheese miners yeah yeah support support the cheese pumpers not the cheese not the cheese industry yeah that's right um i don't i don't agree with the deployment of our cheese pumpers around the world but i will support them <laughs> as individuals because many of them only joined the cheese pump for you know because of difficult economic circumstances yeah i will i will recognize the uh, the predatory recruitment practices of the the the, the cheese pump yeah, and that doesn't mean I excuse the extractive practices, you know, that the that the cheese pumping industry carries out in the global south. Mm. But I just acknowledge that many of the people involved in it are also themselves victims. <laughs> um, and this is, uh, you know, an important thing to consider. And if you're eating, uh, you know, uh, primula, <laughs> you're you're complicit. Um, oh, primula is. Uh- is a foul vibe, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, it like, comes in it... those packets as though it's like you know shoe polish or something. It's really horrid. I think the I think the ones that make me feel the most unhappy is the ones that have like other stuff in them as well. 
Oh, so yeah, like the prawn cheese. No. The prawn cheese in a tube or the ham cheese in a tube. Ham cheese? I've seen ham cheese. I've seen it. I've seen <laughs> that it. That sounds like something <laughs> from Brass Eye. <laughs> ham cheese. The ham cheese. Yeah, horrible. Like they're convincing Gary Lineker that it's real, like live on air. Um, yeah, anyway, so um, uh, Jerry's like, I need to win this woman back over. Can you get one of the Yankees to be on the telethon that'll probably you know sweeten the deal um this is this is this is like do your thing tell some lies (laughs) this is a very this is a very good and well-observed part of of, uh, costanza characterization i think this is like this is lesser kind of good plot episode and more a kind of careful character study episode it's more a kind of kind of dennis johnson of an episode um Mm. i think Costanza wildly overpromising something because he thinks it makes him look kind of officious and important. I think is just mm. a beautiful bit of Costanzaing. Oh yeah, um, and so then, and he's also he's pleased to be asked, so he's like yeah. willing to do a favour. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Well, actually, he this is a this is a mis, this is a misunderstanding of Costanza. Costanza does misunderstands it. A misunderstands it exactly. Costanza does, in the main, want to want to be of help. Right. Okay. He does. He's not like it's Elaine that is like is who has like like pathological selfishness syndrome. Costanza does sort of want to help you, but his fundamental character gets in the way of his capacity to do it. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Jerry doesn't want to help you, but could. Elaine doesn't want to help you, but could. Costanza does want to help you, but can't. Kramer mm. does want to help you, but can only can only carry it out depending on very very narrow and limited circumstances. Yeah, it's a very so it's, he, there's a lot of chaotic like outside yeah. factors involved. So there has to be a kind of Goldilocks situation for Kramer to be able to be of any use to anyone. Yeah. Um. So Elaine comes in, and then Jerry's like, "Did you ask Noreen if she was flirting with me?" And she's like, "No, I didn't get a chance to ask." Um, and then Jerry then explains that, that they bumped into each other in the bookstore and she asked him for the humor section. And this, then George is, is like, this that's is not so, flirting. This is so good. Uh, yeah, this is He's so like, good. come on, the humor section? The, I'm a comedian. It's so funny that this is what Jerry thinks is an example of someone flirting with him. It does remind me of someone we know. Anyway, um, so then uh, we see... I, I genuinely don't know who you're talking about. Who are you talking about? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Ah, interesting. No, I don't know. Um, no. Anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, we cut to uh, the uh, yeah. Someone's eating a Snickers with a knife and fork. But it does go to show how um, how uh, sorry it is a, like an ex- it is an explanation to why Jerry's batting averages are so good because if he just assumes that everyone's flirting with him, then he is not thinking about whether or not. Whether or not he's like, he just has supreme confidence. He's manifesting yeah. women fancying yeah. him. Incredible. I think, yeah, I think that's. I, I need to take a leaf right. out of Seinfeld's book. I think this. I think this is right. But also, I actually think that it just makes sense to just assume that everybody fancies you, and then you can kind of take it on a case to case, case by case basis. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, sorry. So it's not someone in the cafes eating a Snickers with a knife and fork. It's Elaine brings up the fact that Pitts eats yeah. with a knife and fork. And then, um, and then George is like, "Oh yeah, these high society types do it," you know. Um, <clears throat> uh, 
And again, then, I lo- I love that Costanza like immediately like vibes with this idea. Like, say what you like about Costanza, he does not leave you hanging on a bit. Mm. He does. He's he, aspirational. He's a he's a yes and yes. He is. Great and Stanza, yeah. <laughs> Impress Stanza. Um, Stanza. So um, yeah, then he's like the waitress is in the bill, and he's like, I don't think this adds up, right? Like, what? Why is it more? than whatever and then the waitress is like it's like the it's because the extra toast see and she points it with her middle finger he's like did you see that she just gave me the finger some discussion ensues um we then this, cut to the this Yankee. I th- this i think is stupid and i understand mm. why it's there and it's order to it's in order to backform the much funnier misunderstanding about this exact thing and it's like in order to kind of give it a little bit of sort of seeding and backdrop but mm. It has, it has been, I think it's been established by this point that uh, Costanza is obsessive about the idea of people in customer service positions not liking him. Um, and this will come up and this will come up again. Um, and in fact, I think it's come up before, like remember to tell him the waitress liked him. Uh, like he's right. obsessed with the idea of waitresses not liking him. But I don't think it's ever got to the point where he thinks that they are actively like actively being hostile and aggressive do do you see do you see what i mean i don't know i think it's i think it's i think it's stupid i don't think it's in line with how costanza moves through the world yeah um yes i agree so um the uh well yeah we cut to the yankee stadium where george is in a board meeting and he's explained he's trying to get them to send one of the players to this telethon thing and he's like you know uh i one of the guys is like now nah, we already do stuff with like channel 11 and he's like well excuse me for trying to like up the you know up the standing of the yankees and like this kind of and george is one of his you know he's he's a savant he's managed to like convince everyone this is a good idea and then he's eating a snickers with a knife and fork and they're like what are you doing and then he's like i'm eating my dessert how do you eat it um, <laughs> with your hands <laughs> yeah per- perfect confidence with your hands we don't eat it with our hands <laughs> We eat it with a fork. <laughs> um, That's not so what then, your Snickers bar can do for you. <laughs> Going Australian there. Yeah. <laughs> gone into um, Muggo. It's gone into Muggo. I've been thinking about Muggo. Don't uh, ask what your Snickers bar can do for you. you. Ask what you can do for your Snickers bar, you, you dog. <laughs> you fucking dog. You nasty cunt. Yeah. No, he's the fucking dog cunt. <laughs> not interested. Um, right. Um, so, this is yeah. this is good because this is like he's such he's he's a like he's such he's a man ahead of his time. He's a real kind of Anna Delvey type. Is Costanza? Oh yeah, yeah. It's like how do you eat it with your hands? Is that supposed to be Anna Delvey? It sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Have you not? Have you not watched the Netflix series where Julia, what's her face, is playing her? I have. It's not what she sounds like. <laughs> Oh no, you need to stop hanging out with this basic bad chairs. <laughs> that is how she talks. <laughs> I'm Anna Delvey. <laughs> I'm a German heiress. <laughs> it sounds like a cross between Julia Fox and, uh, and Schwarzenegger. It's because Anna. De- it's because Julia. Uh, what, what the fuck is her surname? She can't. Julia Garner. She can't do a German accent. So mm. she just, she just kind of does like sort of like Arnold Schwarzenegger vocal fry, um, and I like Julia Garner. I think she's a good actress. It's just the voice she's doing as Anna Delvey is very funny. Yeah, I think Julia Garner is going to be playing Madonna. 
which is interesting. Oh, she looks like Madonna, doesn't she? That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, she does. Yeah, so I thought she was yeah. a good choice. She's got that sort of pixie-ish vibe that Madonna I, yeah, has had. I, I allow, I allow it. Although I think it's weird that considering the hair that, as well. Yeah, considering that Lords is now an actress, I thought it was weird not to get Lords to play. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what Lords, the the um the 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 pop impresario who's also a, a, a site of Catholic pilgrimage and a cricket club. Isn't that how you say it? How else would you? I suppose you say Lord, don't you? Well, I thought you said Lords. Yeah. Like with an S on the end. Well, her name's just Lord, isn't it? There's no S. There is an S. No, 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 no. You're thinking, no, I'm talking about Madonna's daughter. Oh, 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 right. I see. I thought you meant the pop artist Lord because you were like, oh, wouldn't that? Because no. then she can also sing. I didn't know that she acted, but. No, um, hang on. I'll find you a picture of Lord Shikoni. Um, she looked Shikoni, what a surname. That's Madonna's last name. Oh right, yeah. Why don't you know why don't you know as much as I do about Madonna? Um I think there are a number of things. Number number of reasons. (laughs) Number of reasons. Um yeah. No, her surname should be Madonna. She should be called Lourdes Madonna. Well, I'll tell you what about we Lourdes. Um she looks exactly like how her mum looked kind of before getting a bunch of work done. Um, oh yeah, before she became a slightly alarming. Yeah. Um, so, um, so she just really looks like real Madonna. Hang on, find you. I'm finding a picture. It's like it's really surprising. I'd say really surprising. It's probably one of the least surprising things in the world. This is just from Pinterest. Hmm. Yeah. Pantherest. Okay, right. Pantherest. If you look at a picture of Madonna in the eighties, oh, and it's brought up a picture of Kristen Ritter. Oh. Okay, that's weird. Oh, oh for fuck. For fuck's sake. No, no, no. I know oh, there is a picture of Lord, but yeah. I, underneath her, it's brought up a picture of Kristen Ritter, who famously. Yeah, is, um, we all know how you feel about Kristen Ritter. I just, we all like, know. Like, when I say I want a goth chair, this is what <laughs> I mean. <laughs> to be fair, that is what everyone means. They don't actually mean a goth. Like, mm. when people say, oh, I just want a goth chair, they don't mean I want, like, I want, like, some very upset girl with, like, like fuzzy ginger roots hanging around Milton Keynes train station. They mean they want <laughs> Kristen Ritter. Yeah, that that whole like Breaking Bad storyline. I was like, look, I don't care that she's a heroine. <laughs> oh, you again, know, very I'm, gracious of you. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? Everyone has their thing. That's her thing. I don't. I don't mind. Um, Lourdes, uh, If I have to do heroin to hang out with Kristen Ritter, I'll do it. Lourdes, <laughs> or if you prefer Madonna Junior. Um, once came to the dance class that I go to. Um, oh. she was she was obviously she was obviously in town and thought it'd be fun to go to go to a class. But it just so happened that we were dancing to a Madonna song, oh. and everyone also is like pretending that they don't recognize her and don't know who she is. But when the teacher like puts the song like puts the song on for like the warm up, everyone at the same time just sort of looks over at this girl um and um and like my dance teacher like tolerated it for like 30 seconds and she was just like i'm so sorry like i didn't know you were gonna be here um so yeah Hmm. oh fantastic she's a good dancer well yeah yeah presumably i'm now just imagining like a version of the sopranos where you replace tony soprano with madonna and anthony jr with uh, madonna jr Mm. And then well, Carmella's just still Carmella and she is, is like, Madonna Jr. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, she looks she looks a little bit like 
um, Meadow as well. It's a similar look. Mm. The girl who plays Meadow Soprano could play Madonna. She'd be really good at it, I think. Oh, yeah. What's her name? I, I don't know. know. Um, okay, yeah, you know Jamie what? Jamie Lee. No, not no. Um, fuck. It's not that. Um, Jamie, Jamie Lynn Jamie, Siegler. Jamie Lynn Siegler. Yeah, she could, she could play Madonna. Yeah, this is this has become the Googling pictures of women hour. Um, so um, <laughs> uh, Jerry's grandma gets the call about the checks about her account being overdrawn. She says she's going to go down to the branch. Cut to the cafe. George has got one of the Yankees to agree, subject to script approval. And then and then Jerry's like script approval. And then Kramer's like, yeah, I'd like to see the script as well. And he's like, you're just answering the phone. And then I've written in my notes, and I'm not sure what this means. Middle F scratch. Huh? Middle F scratch. Yeah, I don't know. What does this mean? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Middle F scratch. Yeah, I don't know. Do you remember anything in the episode that could correspond to this? No, I have no idea. It must, it must mean something, but I'd, yeah. Uncle Leo uh, shows up and he's like, your grandma hasn't left the apartment in 25 years and now she's run, gone down to uh, chemical. Oh, no, now she's gone, left the house, we can't find her. And then Jerry's have like, we ha- oh, have I we had the bit? Checks. Have we had the bit when uh, she goes to fu- she goes to Chemical Bank? Or she gets called by the person from Chemical Bank who says you've got yeah, a yeah, draw, yeah, yeah. and she yeah, says I haven't used that. Yeah. I haven't used that. Um, I haven't used that account. I'll come down there, and the guy says, "No, we could do this over the phone." And then she goes down there, and they say, "We've not had the bit where she's down there yet." But yeah, anyway, oh, anyway so and Jerry's like, "Oh, I cashed some checks from her this week." And and then Uncle Leo's like chemical bank, and he's like, yeah, it was it was chemical. <laughs> and then he's like, she's not used that account in years. There's no money in it. Blah, blah, blah. And then um, they're like, they're speculating about what's happened to her. And then Kramer's like, well, she's been cashing, she's been giving out those bum checks all over town. It's finally <laughs> caught up with her. Um, we then get a brief vignette of the Yankees boss eating a chocolate bar with a knife and fork. Um, classic. In the cafe, Elaine and Noreen are discussing the whole her flirting with Jerry thing or allegedly flirting with Jerry and then she's uh, Elaine is explaining how she why she told her boyfriend she's like well I thought he was you because he's a high talker mm. and she's like what do you mean she's like well he sounds like a woman and then she's like so I'm dating a guy who sounds like a woman and Elaine's like well he looks like a man if that's any <laughs> consolation he's, yeah, he's bald. bald that's a guy thing <laughs> yeah and, th- and then Noreen's going yeah I guess <laughs> meanwhile Costanza's in the car with one of the baseball players and uh, he becomes convinced that some guy who's cut him off in traffic has given him the finger. Um, and so he begins following him. Um, and then, uh, meanwhile, uh, Jerry's grandma is at the bank. He says I'm following um, him in a very funny way. Yeah. And then, and then the, she's very embarrassed that it's Jerry who's been cashing the checks and they've all bounced. So she's like, oh, I've got to call him and apologize. So she calls Jerry's apartment. Now, that this, what happened here, I did not understand. So Elaine picks up the call. Mm-hmm. And she thinks that Jerry's grandma is someone else, and she tells her to drop dead. We don't want to hear from you, whatever. She thinks it's out. Dan. But who does she think? She thinks it's Dan. But that's even if she thinks that's Dan, that's insane behavior. Oh yeah, no, no, no! It's absolutely insane behavior. But what she thinks, she doesn't thinks, make any sense. She thinks that like the whole situation is kind of done and dusted with Dan and Noreen, and she thinks that Dan is calling to like have a go at Jerry for like trying it on with his girlfriend and so she's like oh my god like you again Jerry doesn't want to talk to you why don't you just drop dead etc right okay yeah so yeah I would just I just couldn't understand who she thought it was because I thought like Dan is possibly the only person but then like that just doesn't yeah no she thought she thinks it's Dan 
if anything, he's the sort of wronged party in all of this. It's weird. Yeah, he yeah, he he is, yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so um and then and then Jerry's like, Oh my, I think my grandma was gonna call here, and then she's like, Oh, what does she sound like? And he's like, Like a grandma. <laughs> you hung up on Nana? Yeah. Um uh Costanza is then uh back in the car. Uh, the the ball player is eating a fucking donut with a knife and fork. Mm-hmm. Um, See, what I want to know about this is: did Mister Pitt invent it, or is this, or is Costanza right? And this is just what high society people do, and Costanza has been responsible mm-hmm. for distributing it and spreading it around the Yankee organization from where it from where it spreads into kind of the general population. Like, which mm-hmm. do you think? Which do you think it is? No, I think it's I think it's um Costanza's created this. But but also that Costanza earnestly believes that people do it. No, 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 but like he got the idea from Elaine saying she saw Mr. Pitt do it. Yeah. No, I think Mr. Pitt's just an outlier. I think Mr. Pitt's just a weirdo. So Mr. Pitt has invented it. Elaine yeah, and then observes Costanza it, tells Costanza about it and it's Costanza that popularizes it. So you don't think that Mr. Pitt is doing it because that's just what people of his insane class do. No, I don't. I don't think so. I think Mister okay. Pitt is just mental. Okay. Uh, we're then at the we're then at the pledge drive. Creighton is once again asking about the tote bags. Um, Uncle Leo bursts in and he's going on about the. He's trying to give Jerry money. <laughs> Jerry's like, I don't need the money. He's like, I didn't know you were hard up. And he's like, No, I was cashing the checks to be polite. It's because he is. It's because he is Uncle Leo. Of course he's going to try and give him money. All uncles are trying to give everyone who they regard as a nephew or niece or whatever the... Um, what is the non-binary there version isn't. of nephew? No, oh, no. no. They, made, they made one up and it's awful. It's nibbling. Yeah, nibbling. Yeah, no, I'm not saying that. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, all, I'm down with you know, respecting people's gender and all that, but I, you, there's no need to be cringe about it, you know? Yeah, I can't say nibbling. Like, I'm no, sorry. It's, like, just, it's unnecessary. I will use... Anything else, pretty much, other than nibbling. Nibbling is awful. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So, like, anyone who they think is nephew or niece or nibbling mm. coded, they are trying to give money to all the time. Mm. This, this is in keeping with his with his uncle status. Yeah. Dan's outside the dressing room. He wants to confront Jerry, and then Kramer's talking to him as though he's in love with Jerry. Funny little scene. Mm. Um, we then get Costanza at the gas station. Also, then Kramer like tries to like tries to kind of lure him into supporting PBS um, by like listing all of like their li- listing all of their seasonal gay programming, which I think is funny. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he yeah, does a he, he does a real kind of uh, marketing email that you get in June. <laughs> yeah. So Costanza's confronting the guy at the gas station and he's like, you, you cut me off in traffic. And he's like, when? And he's like, back in Manhattan, it was about an hour ago. And they're like in upstate New York somewhere. <laughs> um, and then and then the guy's like, wait, is that um, whatever the baseball player's name is in the car? Like, I'm such a fan. He's like, oh, I wish I could shake his hand. And then, and then he just holds up his hand, which is like in a cast in the shape of giving someone the finger. Um, I, think this, I think this is a weak storyline for Costanza. Yeah, like why? Why would he have his hand in that cast exactly? Why would in that shape? I don't know. Yeah, excuse me. Oh, there's a big fat pigeon outside. It's really big. It's strutting. 
Sorry. Um, <laughs> anyway, and then Jerry's Nana phones into the telethon to try and get in touch with Jerry. And then Kramer's like, well, why don't you, um, you know, throw some money to PBS while, while you're at it? You know, you're watching the, you're watching the broadcast. You don't want to be a freeloader. And then he gets up and he announces, like, oh, Jerry, you know, your, your grandma's on the line. She's going to donate $1,500. And then Leo storms on and is like, she's on a very fixed income. Stop the broadcast. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a very confused episode, I think. Yeah, there's feel- a lot. There's a, particularly towards the back end. Yeah, it feel it, it. It gets a little bit. Um, gets a little bit kind of vaudevilly mm, and sort of surreal. Yeah. Um, like it's not. It's not necessary to stop the broadcast. Just prevent that one transaction. Although, to be fair, I think that I think that it's very much in keeping with what we know about Uncle Leo so far. That that would be his kind of. That that would be his response. Yeah, that's true. Um, and then so uh, in the cafe, uh, Jer- uh, Jerry's got a card from. Uh, the PBS woman, and it's giving him the finger. Lovely um, stuff. And then they're just noticing that, like everyone in the cafe is like eating like chocolate bars and such, like with knives and forks. And then Jerry's like, "I saw someone on the street eating M and M's with the spoon." <laughs> and then, and then this is the part of the episode where I thought it was very sexy. Elaine, like, she just gets up and she's like, "What's wrong with all you people? Have you all gone mad?" <laughs> hmm. Hmm. So this is your. Uh... This is your kind no, of just gothic, about the way she this does is your it. gothic it's horror fetish. You like a bit of uh, Vincent Price play. <laughs> Vincent Price play. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Mm. I know what I said. I know what I said. Yeah, Vincent, okay. Vincent Vice. And I'll tell you what, we don't finish with a bit. This is a one-bit episode. No, there's no bit. It just ends as a sort of dramatic music and credits after Elaine saying, have you all gone mad? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not the strongest episode, but there are hundreds of them, and not everyone can be a banger. It's got some good bits. Yeah, I'm just I'm just here for the um for the knife and fork thing. I think that's very funny. Yeah, it's very funny throughout the because it's so. I think that that's what I like the most about Seinfeld is the surrealist elements, like mm. the, uh, the the weird conversations that they're having that have nothing to do with the plot. Yeah, yeah, insane like B plots, like everyone's eating chocolate bars with a knife and fork. Like, yeah. Yeah, and like little asides, like minimum two days, making it up, just making it up. Mm. Yeah, like yeah. the actual, like the actual kind of a plot and b plot isn't the strongest, but there's still some, still plenty to love in this episode of the hit '90s sitcom Seinfeld. Yeah, some nice little mm. details. Yeah, um, nice little details. Okay. Oh yeah, very nice. Yeah, all right. Um, well, that has been the episode. Yeah, um, I haven't got anyone to thank. And thank you, I suppose. Thank you, Milo. Yeah, thank you, Phoebe. Yeah. Pleasure as always. And, and thanks to Phoebe's mum. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who provides endless, endless uh, material yeah. for we, my therapist. We'll be sending her a thank you card, which she'll be discarding <laughs> immediately. That's right. Um, and if you are listening to this, um, thanks for listening. Uh, you can become a Patreon subscriber. Uh, mm. Minimum subscription is $3 a month. For that, you get bonus episode every fortnight. If you upgrade to $5, you get the Discord. You get the Monthly Movie Corner. You get the What's the Deal miniseries. You get the Twilight miniseries. You get all that good stuff. You get all that stuff. Lovely yeah, stuff. Exactly. Cheap so maybe at the price. Consider, consider that. Cheap at the price. And then once you've listened to it, you can throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> That's our promise to you. That's right. All right. Well, we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.